Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to Encounter Community Church Podcast. Again, my name is Ken Ballard Jr., and I'm the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. Just wanted to let you know that if you are listening to this podcast from our website, we are on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you can download podcasts. So just want to encourage you to go and subscribe to us there. And with that in mind, I just have four words to say. It's freaking hot, y'all. <laughs> it, is, it is crazy. Here in Torrance, California, you know, I'm not sure where you are when you're listening to this, but, you know, last week or this weekend was crazy, crazy hot and it's still hot right now. So I'm hoping that things will begin to change in a better direction. I mean, I'll tell you how hot it was last night. It was so hot. My wife and I slept. We have one of those little portable air conditioners. We slept with one of those in our room, and we have one of those clip-on fans. Yes, we clipped on the fan and focused it on our dog. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Our dog had his own fan. Now, before you judge us, <laughs> just to let you know, well, I guess there's nothing else I could say, <laughs> but we do. We, we really do love our, our dog. But what about you? How, what have you been doing to, to beat the heat? I was reading yesterday, a notification popped up on my phone. I have the Newsbreak app. And it said yesterday, 14,000 people in L.A. County had their lights go out, had their electricity go out in the middle of the day, in the hot afternoon day, where in some places the temperature was over Three digits, three digits, y'all, three digits. That's like hell hot, <laughs> three digits. And in some places, they lost their electricity. So I prayed, you know, just I just prayed that, you know, for those that were gone without electricity, that none of them were elderly, that their lives were put at risk because they didn't have a means to cool themselves. But it, I mean, that, that heat yesterday was no joke and it's, no joke today. But I do I do hope that you're staying cool wherever it is that you are. And again, I just wanted to take this time out to say thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for being a part of our podcast audience, for allowing us the opportunity to be able to spend some time with you. Oh, for those of you that may be wondering, how did the appointment go? How did the meeting go with the with Eve Berg, who is the Torrance Chief of Police. I'm telling you, it went really well. It went really well. I mean, we laid out some really challenging questions for her and for her staff. She didn't come by herself. She brought her staff with her. And I'll tell you this. This was really cool. Uh, when she walked in, uh, her Chief of Community Relations, African-American guy, her Chief of Media Relations, Latino so it was just really neat to see, like, even when she walked in, there was already diversity there. Why is that important? 
Because if your staff is diverse, then you are also looking at how do you make sure that your police department as a whole is working through diversity. And, and I'll tell you now, it wasn't like, I, I don't believe that she came and said, okay, I'm going to meet with these pastors. So, hey, let me, let me make sure I take this one black guy and, oh, you know, let me grab a Latino guy so we can break. I, I don't think that that's what happened. I think that was just her staff. And those guys were in those roles. So it's really great to see here in our city that you already see diversity in that way. And, and so we did. We, we asked some very pointed questions. We, uh, we asked about their policy when it comes to uh, utilizing force. What is their policy for that? And the great thing, it's online. Like you can go to the Torrance Police Department website and you can read their policy for handling force. How do they do that? So they were really, really open. They were also very open in saying that as Torrance, there's still some work to do in the area of reform. They also talked about, we also asked questions about what do you do when you have an officer that is accused of doing something racially? How do you handle that? She talked to us about that process. And what we're looking forward to is, uh, as we left that meeting, it was really great. I made it a point, and the other pastor that was there, we made it a point that, hey, this is not going to be a combative situation. We have these questions. They're really, really challenging questions, but these are questions that really need to be asked. And they were actually really welcoming to those questions. They were great because we had something to kind of guide the conversation by. And also the thing that made this really great, or this process really great, was just, like I said, just the openness. And, and she was really candid. She's like, you know what, we have some great officers, and you know, there's a possibility with a, a force our size that there may be officers that we will have to deal with, and if that becomes a situation, we will deal with it. And here's how we'll deal with it. And, and it was really, it was, like I said, it was a really great conversation. We're hoping that from this, we'll continue to build a relationship with the Torrance Police Department, as well as with our South Bay Pastors community, uh, with our network of pastors that we have here, a majority of those pastors being from the Torrance, California area, uh, and that in those relationships that we can continue to support one another and encourage one another and hopefully build a relationship where if something does happen, that we'll be able, and we were given that permission, like, hey, if something does happen and we have questions, who can we call to talk about it? And they gave us a card. Uh, the guy that was in charge of community relations, community relations gave us his card. You can call me. You can talk to me about it. So it was really great. It was really, really great. And we're looking at plans in the future of being able to bring more pastors in and connect and build those relationships and we'll, you know, we'll just see where it goes from there. But when we all walked away, it was, it was really a positive conversation, really uplifting, really encouraging, really hopeful. And, and so I do, I, I do have confidence in our police department that they're trying to do the best that they can to represent the diversity that is represented in our city. But that may not be the case with all police departments. So I think it's something that we need to continue to pray about. And, and here's the thing that I really want to encourage you to do is when it comes to this aspect of racial reconciliation, I, I think it is, I think protesting is important. I, I think it is. I think it's important to, to be able to get out there, to, 
to make our voices heard, to say, hey, you know, these are the steps that need to be taken for racial reconciliation. But I also want to encourage us to begin to think about this as well. Progress will not be made without relationships. It, it just won't. It will not be made without relationships. So if we're going to bring about healing between the police departments and between community, I want to encourage us as a community, no matter whether you're in Torrance or Culver City or Los Angeles or, you know, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, wherever you are when you're listening to this podcast. And if you are in Philadelphia, welcome and thanks for listening. <laughs> but wherever you are in listening to this podcast, it's important that we realize that there eventually must be a step taken where we move from just protesting, which I think is important, but looking at how do we build those relationships? How do we step into those relationships? And to begin to take the steps necessary to initiate it. And I also want to encourage you with this. When you do sit down with those relationships with the police department or with governing officials or whoever it might be, that you also make it a point to approach it where, hey, this is not about argumentation, to make sure that you can, you can set that aside. For that moment, you may be angry, you may be frustrated, and I get it. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, I get it. In Rochester, New York, I get it. In Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, I get it. Even here in LA, I get it. And when you continue to look at shootings that are happening to African-Americans, I get why you'd be frustrated. I get why you'd be angry. In some cases, I had to work through that too. But at some point, what we have to be willing to do is to try to set as much as that anger aside so that conversations can happen. And, and so here's the question. How do, we, how do we do that? How do we begin to set anger aside? See, one of the things about anger is that anger is a secondary emotion. It is a secondary emotion to a primary response. Ooh, that's deep. Let me say that again, because <laughs> I just blew myself away. It is a secondary emotion to a primary response. What is the primary response? It's really fear. It's really fear. You know, we're in the middle of a series called Politics and Religion. And last week, we talked about the politics of fear. And, and we looked at that on Sunday. I want to encourage you, because this is not going to be where we rehash the message on Sunday. What I want to encourage you to do is go back and watch the live stream on Sunday, as well as when you get a chance to watch the vlog that's going to be popping up later this week. I think I'm going to post it on Thursday. Make sure you make it a point to listen to that, uh, or watch it, I should say. But this idea of fear really is one that, that, that challenges us. It really is one that challenges us. I mean, there are surveys that are done that talks about this fear that we have. One of the surveys that I read was done in 2019. It was called the, the Chapman University Survey of American Fears. And one of the questions that they asked was, are you afraid of the outcome of the 2020 election? And at that point, it was in 2019, 47% of the people surveyed said yes. 47%. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a huge number. And I wonder if it's different now. I wonder if it's even greater now. 
because of the challenges that we're facing. And also when I look at the political divide that exists now compared to what existed a year ago, I mean, this gap has grown huge. It's, it's grown larger, growing larger every day. So how do we begin to take steps so that we can overcome this gap that we have, this gap that we experience, this gap that we're facing? And like I said, this gap that is growing. And I think the key that we must make a commitment to do is to look at what is it that we are afraid of? What is it that we are afraid of? Because when you look at the political rhetoric that is, is, is given today, a lot of it is fear. A lot of it is fear. When you really dig into Facebook posts and you start to analyze what people are saying, the heart that is driving those, those posts is fear. And there's just so much of it today. There's just so much fear that it is palpable. And so if that being the case, then why is it so important for us to, for us to deal with it? Why is it so important for us to deal with it? You know, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33, this is what God says. And this is Jesus speaking himself. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> not to worry about everyday life. And, and isn't that really what we are worried about? Isn't that what we really are afraid of? Is, isn't that what really drives us? Is this fear of every life? What's going to happen with my finances? What's going to happen with my health? What's going to happen to me economically, mentally, physically, spiritually? What's going to happen to me? So it says, do not worry about your everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food or body more than clothing? See, one of the things that will fear, that will drive fear as well, it's what I would call the scarcity mentality. And actually, in two weeks, the message is going to be on that. How do we overcome? Because a lot of times we take the political stances that we take because we are driven by the scarcity mentality. The scarcity mentality being there's not gonna be enough for me. There's not gonna be enough for my family. So that, again, that's why we have to protect what it is that we have and make sure that we are able to get what it is that we want and maybe even that we need. The scarcity mentality. What is the antidote to that? Because the scarcity mentality also is driven by fear. It's driven by fear. What is the result of the scarcity mentality? Toilet paper, <laughs> right? I mean, we don't think about it as much now because thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. We can walk into the store and we can get TP now. We can get TP now. But remember, I mean, just a few months ago, Man, if we saw TP in the store, we we get on the we get on the phone, we post. Hey, hey, they have they have TP at the CVS on Redondo Beach in Prairie. <laughs> and people would be like, boom, and they would get there because TP was rare because of what scarcity. 
The scarcity mentality causes us to hoard, but is also driven by fear. And so I love this. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries make your life better? Can all your worries improve the quality of your life? And if anything, we know this is the exact opposite, isn't it? The more that we're driven by fear, the more that it affects us physiologically, our heart rates go up, the adrenaline goes up, we sleep less, cancer rates go up, hypertension goes up. All of this is connected to fear. It's connected to fear. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so, if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So you have a choice, fear or faith, fear or faith. And if you choose fear, here's what happens with fear, is fear keeps us focused on what can go wrong. Fear ignores solution. It ignores solution because of the desire to protect what it is that it has. And because it ignores solution, what fear also does is it closes off conversation. It closes off the opportunity for growth and development. It closes off the opportunity for advancement. It closes off the opportunity for relationship. Fear is what is driving a wedge in America politically right now and again the divide is only growing. It's fear. And you can think about that. You know, when, when someone begins to express something and it kicks up with your fear, well, we're not. Fear, we're not thinking about solutions. We're thinking about what if. What if this goes wrong? Not how can we prevent it? Not how can we make it better? Fear is just solely driven by what if. And so what happens by this what if, then what I do is I want legislation in place, politically. I want legislation in place to protect what it is that I have. Maybe to protect my finances, maybe to protect my freedom, maybe to protect my career, maybe to protect my home. I want legislation in place to make sure that I am protected as I'm talking about in my vlog this week, so make sure you check it out. One of the things I mentioned is God never intended for government to be the solution to our social ills. 
And as long as we look to government as our solution. Now, I'm not saying don't be involved politically. I'm not saying that. So please don't get me wrong. I am not saying don't vote. I am not saying that either. But I'm saying is with fear, what we do is we lean too much into politics. And the thing about leaning into politics to control, and that's what fear does. Fear causes us to want to control. So we want to control the outcome. We want to control the outcome. That's why we want the guy in office that we want, whether it's Trump or Biden. That's why we want them in. Because we think, certain people think if Trump gets in office, there's a certain outcome that I will get. If Biden gets in office, there's a certain outcome that I will get. And here's the truth. It really doesn't matter who gets in office. There is no guarantee of the outcome that we'll get. There's no guarantee. Because I've looked at both of their qualifications. And the one thing I don't see is that they're God. <laughs> Trump ain't G-O-D. Biden ain't J-E-S-U-S. <laughs> Neither one of them are God. They're not. So even if we get the right one in place, the right one being whatever one we want in office, it still does not guarantee that we're going to get the outcome that we want to get. It still doesn't guarantee that the very things that we are afraid of happening will not happen because that person is in office. Because they're not. They're not God. So we cannot rely on politics and government for the solution. And they were, man, they were never intended to be. So that's why Jesus says, why do you have so little faith? Where's your faith? Is your faith focused on him? Have you reached a point where your faith is greater than you fear? That's a question to ask. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of heaven above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So I, I added in verse 34. But I think that this is something so vital for us to take some time out and to, to look at. Don't worry. I don't know about you. I think it's Bob Marley. It's popping up in my head. Don't worry about a thing right cause you know you're singing it <laughs> every little thing is gonna be alright everything is gonna be alright whether they work out the way that I want them to or not we must make sure that we don't fall into the stampede of fear. 
as I was preparing for today, I, I, one of the things that I saw was this thought of America as being stampeded by fear. Stampeded by fear. And as I said, you know, in, in 2020, in November, there will be people who may have certain fears alleviated. And there will be others who will have certain fears amplified. But either way, as I said before, neither president or neither candidate will be the solution to our fears. It's so important that we truly learn to lean into him. That's why I do love what we are reminded in Psalm 23, where David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I mean, just think about what David is saying there about his soul. He's he just simply saying, my, my soul is at rest. And again, when it comes to fear, it's so important for our soul to be at rest, even when everything around us is a mess. And then he says this, even though, or even when, not even if, even when I walk through the darkest valley and they will come. That's the thing that I really want us to understand. And I talked about this a little bit on Sunday, but I want to hit this again. When it comes to fear, Whatever it is that you're afraid of can still happen. As I said before, you might get the vote that you want, but it still can happen. It still can. We can still walk through the darkest shadows of life, the very thing that we're afraid of. So you have to decide, will you enhance the quality of your life by living in faith, or will you weaken the quality of your life by living in fear. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, and other versions will translate it as the valley of the shadow of death. Have you been to that place? The valley of the shadow of death? <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun. That doesn't sound like the, the, the valley where everything is working out the way that I want it to. That doesn't sound like the valley where, hey, I went to school, I got my degree, I got the job that I wanted, then I got the girl that I wanted, then I got the kids that I wanted, then I retired and lived in green pastures and PV. <laughs> Palace Verdes, overlooking the ocean with the view to die for. It doesn't sound like the valley of the shadow of death, does it? Doesn't at all. Even when I walk through the, through the darkest valley, I love this, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. I, I think if, if we are able to overcome our fear, then we'll look at the political climate differently. 
we'll look at the people on the other side of the political line differently. We will. All of a sudden, I think our ears would be more attentive to what it is that they have to say. And, and who knows? Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, we might work together to come to a solution where both parties may be happy. Or maybe we will agree to disagree, but we'll still walk away thinking, I'm respected. Hmm. So even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Oh, I love that. For you are close beside me. So I really want to challenge those of you who are listening to this, who are Christians. Because there's a mistake that I think we're making. And I'll be honest, I've been guilty of this too. And the mistake that we're making is that we're trying to control the outcome of our lives. If, if I could control the political climate of our country, then I can control the outcome of my life. And if I can control the outcome of my life, I can be happy. In the 1960s, Martin Luther King Jr. was in Birmingham, Alabama. He was in the process of leading a march. And while he was leading that march, he got arrested. That march was for racial equality. And I think every single one of us would agree who's listening to this that all races in, in, in America should be equal. Should be equal. And maybe just maybe as Christians, we'll take on the mantle of taking the responsibility to make sure that that happens. We will. Because here's what I think the danger is that we have to be careful about. And the danger is this. Am, am I trying to protect my way of life so much that I will ignore the mandates of the gospel because the gospel does mandate equality it really does it mandates equality why? because Jesus Christ died for everyone equally didn't he? didn't he die for everyone equally? He didn't die for one race above another. He didn't die for one race ahead of another. He died for everyone equally. For God so loved the world. That's the world. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have it. That's whoever. That call goes out to all. One of the things that Jesus did with the gospel is that he advanced a universality of the gospel that never existed before him. Never. Up until that point, the focus of God's relationship with mankind was through the Jews. That was the focus. 
And I'm, I'm not saying that that was bad. Or I'm not saying it was good. That's just the way that it was. But then Jesus comes along. And Jesus begins to expand the view of the gospel. He expands it. So again, I, I do, I think we would agree, or we should agree. And even before the gospel, right? The scripture says that we are made in the image of God. It doesn't say white people are made in the image of God or black people are made in the image of God or that some people are made in the image of God more than others. No, we are all made in the image of God. So therefore, everyone has value and everyone should be treated with value. Everyone should be treated that way. So as believers, that's what we should fight for. But when we are so focused on our way of life, it is very easy to put our way of life over the mandate of the gospel. So while Martin Luther King was arrested in Birmingham, Alabama, some of the white preachers in Alabama in Birmingham, Alabama, actually took out an ad in a newspaper. And basically in that ad, they encouraged Martin Luther King Jr. to cease and desist his efforts in Birmingham, Alabama to fight for equality. They said, let us take care of it and we will allow it to happen over its time and its course. Which you know really what it really meant. It was never gonna happen. But their concern was, is that Martin Luther King Jr. is going to come up here. He's going to come into our city. And he's going to upset the way of life that we live. You look at some of the racists of the time that fought against integration. And they were white Christians that wanted to hold on to their way of life. And I also want to make it really clear, I'm not letting black Christians off the hook either. Uh, you know, one of the statements that I've heard some black Christians say is, I'm not going to forgive the white man until he ask for forgiveness for what, he, what he's done to me, for what he's done to us as a nation. That's not in the scriptures. There's nowhere in the scriptures you will find where it says, do not forgive someone until they ask you for forgiveness. When Jesus Christ was on the cross and the people stood before him, cursing him, spitting on him, yelling, crucify him, he stood there and he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what it is that they do. So there was that challenge as well. So we have to make sure. Oh, and, and the result of that ad, Dr. King wrote a response. It's called Letters from Birmingham Jail. Read it. It's one of the most incredible pieces of literature that I've 
ever read. He gives us treatise on freedom and why he fights for it and why every Christian should fight for it. And that was the beauty. One of the things that really brought about change is when you saw people willing to step beyond their fear, willing to step beyond protecting their way of life because they saw that, man, something needs to change for blacks in America. And it really changed. The civil rights movement really began to change when there was a unified front. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more on Sunday. But I, I do want to encourage you to begin to ask yourself, what is it that you are afraid of? Is it fear of losing your status? Fear of losing your position, fear of losing your career, fear of losing your freedom, fear of losing your voice, fear of losing your business. And is that fear what drives your political agenda? And if it is, then what are you going to do with your life? Are you going to allow that fear to dictate you? to dictate your joy and to dictate your freedom spiritually because as long as you are living in fear there will always be a cap on the, on the level and the depth and the riches of Christianity that you can experience in your life so it's so important for us to not buy in to the political rhetoric of fear and allow that to be what dominates our lives and our position and our cause Let's be different. Let's be different. I think we can be. I think we can be. We serve a God who loves us passionately. We do. And no matter what, no matter what happens here on this earth, nothing will determine your eternal destiny if you believe in him. Nothing. Nothing. And here's the thing. What we experience here on earth is just temporary. It's just temporary. Let's say your fear does become reality. It's still just temporary. Let's say your fear even leads to your passing. It's still just temporary. Because on the other side of the line of life, we cross the threshold of death is eternity. And I can tell you now, 5,000 years from now, when you're in eternity with God in heaven, you're not going to think about coronavirus and 2020. <laughs> you're not. You're not. So don't allow fear to dictate your life right now. So you have a choice. Fear, faith. Fear or love. Fear or compassion. Fear or generosity. You have a choice. And whatever it is that you choose will determine the quality of your life. Well, again, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I really do hope that this has been an encouragement to you. Just want to remind you real quickly that we are continuing our series on politics and religion. And this week, we will dive into the power of unity and just how incredible unity can be. And how can we begin to bring about a unity 
that crosses this political divide, so much so that what the world does, the world sees something different. And that's the key. It must see something different. And I think that it can. And I think we can be better. I really do. So just a quick reminder that encounter is about three things. Love up. How are you growing in your relationship with God? Maybe take a moment and begin to think about, God, what is it that I'm afraid of? And begin to ask, God, have I allowed myself to lean on politics more than leaning on you? And if so, please forgive me. Where am I leaning? Then, not only that, love up, love out. How can you show love to your fellow man? How can you grow in that way? And that's why faith is so important. I cannot love the person that I'm afraid of. Not completely. Not the way that God calls me to. And love in. Take care of yourself. Grow. Figure out what it is that your fears are so that you can become the full you that God created you to be. Well, take care. God bless you. And we'll see you once again next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. Please take a moment to head over to whatever source you're listening to for the podcast to rate and review us. And also, if there are things that we can do well, please feel free to reach out and let us know what those are. If you'd like to continue to support Encounter and our efforts to make a difference in our community, then feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving and feel free to make a donation that will allow us to be able to make a difference in our community and also to be able to do podcasts and those kind of things such as this. And please subscribe today to our YouTube channel. Make sure you click the little bell for notification. That way when we post new things, you'll be notified of that. Same thing as well on our Facebook page, head over to that and feel free to like us there. That way when we post new podcasts, new events, those elements, you will also know about those as well. Well, again, thank you so much. God bless you and have a great day.